like we know, the desire of God is to have his will done upon the face of the earth. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it is the desire of God that heaven be replicated on earth. And the avenue through which God will do that is you and I. Praise God. We are God's um, special purpose vehicle to bring about the will of God being done to replicate heaven on earth. And that's why God got us saved. And that's why that um, the day we got saved, um, he didn't transport us to heaven. Why? Because there is the purpose of God that needs to be accomplished. All of God's will must be exhausted. Praise God. And that was part of what was happening in Isaiah chapter 6. Um, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And um, I'm sure we, we remember um, what happened in that um, scripture all the way down to um, verses 6 and 7. Uh, I know they've taught us that, um, you know, the year that King Uzziah died, uh, we've used that to pray some sort of prayers, how that King Uzziah must die. Um, but I'm telling us tonight that um, that was just to signify a land, it was a landmark event that um, was used to describe when Isaiah had his experience. Do you understand? Um, it's, it's like saying that in the year that Nigeria had a presidential election, so, 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 and so happened. So it wasn't like the death of Isaiah and the, the death of King Uzziah was what opened Isaiah hope to be able to see the visions of the Lord. No. They were just using that event to describe when that, um, that vision happened. And then one of the things that happened was the fact that Isaiah saw the Lord and um, he saw seraphims flying, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, describing um, the, the, the three levels uh, of the holiness of God, if I may put it that way. And one of the things that the, the revelation of the holiness of God does to us is um, when we see him, when we come into the revelations of God, we see our state and we see our unworthiness or we see our, our inadequacies. Why? Because we are presented before the perfect definition of beauty. We are presented before the perfect definition of holiness. And um, uh, it, it brings us to a state where we see our imperfections and we can cry out for God's mercies. And that was what Isaiah did. Oh, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, dwelling among unclean people. And what God did was to bring about a redemption, was to bring about a purification. And one of the seraphims flew and took a coal from that heart and put it upon his tongue, and it was purified. And after it was purified, it was able to hear the Lord again, saying, Who shall we send? Who will go for us? Then he was able to respond. Why? Because... He has been cleansed, he has been purified and elevated. Hallelujah. And he was able to answer the cry of heaven that who will go for us? Um, I, I went that route to, to let us know that that is also the cry of heaven for us in our time and generation. There is a cry of heaven saying, who shall we send? And who will go for us? And there is the expectation of heaven over us that we are people who will heed heaven's call. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
We are the people who are meant to heed everyone's call. God is counting on us. Just the same way he was counting on Isaiah in his days. And when I say God is counting on us, it is, you know, we, we, we must be a people who are ready to, to do whatever God would have us do. In whatever capacity would have us do that. Hallelujah. Um, you will probably not necessarily um, be called into the office of a prophet like Isaiah was. And he was a prophet to Israel. But in whatever capacity you find, in whatever capacity the will of God is revealed to you, or the burden of heaven is laid upon you, God expects that we would rise to that call to bring about the establishment of his will upon the face of the earth. Hallelujah. And it could be as little as the burden of intercession for a particular person coming upon you. God expects us to respond to that and heed the call of heaven at that moment. Hallelujah. That's God calling out to us. I'm saying to us tonight, church, that we have been called. Praise God. We have been called to serve the will of God. We have been called to serve the purpose of God. We have been called to bring about the establishment of the will of God upon the face of the earth. And that starts with us. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are the agent of the establishment of the will of God. Um, another scripture we're going to read, which is another example, is also the example of Jeremiah. Um, in Jeremiah chapter 1, how God called him. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Verse 6. Then said, Hi, ha, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. And um, we know the other um, verses. Do not say you are youth because I have anointed you, I have called you, and I made, I have made, your, I have made you strong you know, to pull down, to, to root out, to build and to plant and all of that. Um, I say that also to emphasize the point that you have been called and you are chosen. And this was God telling Jeremiah that even before he was formed in his, in, in his mother's womb, he ordained him. That means before Jeremiah came on the scene, and that also applies to us, that God knew him and determined his purpose, determined his destiny, that was going to be a prophet to the nations, even before he was formed in his mother's womb. I'm saying to us tonight that before we were formed also, God determined our purpose. He, he determined our path determined our assignment and we are meant to discover that and fulfill that and we see that also in the book of um, Psalms 139 from verse 14 to 16 saying the same thing how it is that before our substance were, were formed God knew us, God ordained the number of our days, Psalm 139 Psalms 139 um, 14 to 16 I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are your works and that my soul knows well my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. 
16. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they were all written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. That's so, that's so deep. That's so profound. Hallelujah. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they were all written all the days fashioned for you when as yet you had no day. God planned your day, planned your future, planned your destiny. And that destiny is what? We see that in Romans chapter 8, 29 and 30, that he predestined those he called to be conformed to the image of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we have specific works, and we're going to see that. Um, so we have established the fact that we have been chosen, we have been called. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 to, 26 to 31 says something like, Consider your calling, brethren, that not what? Not many noble, not many wise. Um, our God, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. So, um, what are we talking about? What's the criteria for this calling? We have seen the criteria for this calling um, has nothing to do with your age. Praise God. It has nothing to do with age. When, Jeremiah, when God called Jeremiah and he said he was a youth, Jeremiah was about 18 to 20 years when God called him. But the same God called Abraham at 75. Hallelujah. He called Josiah to be king at 8. He called Moses at 80. So it has nothing to do with age. Hallelujah. It has nothing to do with your eloquence, your ability, or any ability in the flesh. Praise God. Jeremiah said, I am a youth. I cannot speak. Moses said, I cannot speak. But he called them all the same because it has nothing to do with their ability. It has nothing to do with your background. He said, not, not many noble. He called both the noble and the pauper. You remember Lazarus? You remember the story of Lazarus who was eating from the table, the crumbs that fell from the table of the rich man. But he found, the grace of God found him. The mercy of God found him. The same way it found Lazarus was the same way it found the Ethiopian eunuch who was a high-ranking officer of the country. So it has nothing to do with nobility or your background. Nothing. It has nothing to do with your academic credentials. The same way he called Peter and his guys who were fishermen and unlearned was the same way he called Paul who was, who was I, I, I read a report about Paul that before Paul was 30 he had the equivalent of you know um, two doctorate degrees equivalent at that, at that time he was that learned he was, he was under the best lawyer Gamaliel we read that in Acts but the same God that called, um, that called Paul with the level of intellect and all that was the same one that called Peter and John that scripture records in Acts um, I think chapter 4 that when they looked at them that these guys were unlearned 
but they knew that they had been with Jesus. Praise God. So I'm saying to us that there is no excuse and nothing disqualifies you. Nothing. Nothing you can think of in the flesh disqualifies you. Can disqualify you from, from the assignment you know that God has called you onto. Nothing. Why? Because when we are born into the family of God, John chapter 1 verse 12 told us that these ones were born not of the will of man. It wasn't the consent of man. It wasn't the decision of any man. They were born by the will of God. You were born into God's family by his own will. Hallelujah. So you have, there, we have no excuse in the flesh. The calling of God the, the calling of God is upon us. There is not, nothing in the flesh can disqualify us. So how were we called? What was the criteria, criteria for our calling? Absolutely the mercy of God. Titus chapter 3 verses 3 to 7 for we ourselves were also once foolish this was our state we were once foolish disobedient deceived serving various lusts and pleasures living in malice and envy hateful and hating one another verse 4 but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. And we see scriptures telling us over and again that it is not of works lest any man should boast. So it has nothing to do with whatever you achieved in the flesh. Not by works of righteousness. Not even by good behavior which we have done. But according to his mercy he saved us. He called us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse 7 that having been justified by his grace we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we are called according to his mercy. Mercy found us. Praise God. We're also called according to his divine purpose. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. He said, just as he chose us in him. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the according to the counsel of his will. So we're called, we're saved, we're called according to his divine purpose. We're called, we're saved by his mercy, not by any works of righteousness. We're called according to his divine purpose. That means that God had an intent. He had an intent. He had a reason for doing what he did. For calling us out. Hallelujah. So, no, because he had a reason, like I said, no weakness. Jeremiah said, I am a youth. I cannot speak. God told him, do not say that you are a youth. 
Why? Because I already ordained you and anointed you a prophet to the nations. And you would go to these people and give them my words. Then he put his word in his mouth and they began to speak the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm saying to us tonight that whatever you think is your weakness. You see, what you think is your weakness is actually your advantage. That was part, God saw it and he called you all the same. In fact, that's your weakness, I would say, is part of the main attraction. Why? Because your weakness becomes your point of reference. Your weakness becomes your point of dependence upon the Lord. Um, he said, when I am weak, then I am made strong. Your weakness becomes the point of God's intervention. He said concerning Paul, he said, Paul said, because of, because of the abundance of revelation given to me, there was a messenger of Satan. He had an affliction in his body, and he said, three times I besought the Lord to take these things away. But God told him each time, my grace is sufficient for you. It, was, it became something, it became you know, the, the point of dependence. It, it, it was something that kept him focusing on the Lord. I'm saying to us tonight that that thing that you called your weakness that you think should ordinarily disqualify you or should ordinarily make you turn away or run away is the very self-same thing that God is using to bring you close to himself. Why? Because when you recognize that weakness, it should be something that brings you to God to bring you to the place of dependence and trust upon the Lord. Hallelujah. So, your weakness is the reference point of your dependence. And your dependence is the key to accessing God's power for the assignment. Your dependence upon the Lord is the key to accessing God's power for the assignment. You read concerning those um, um, people in, 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 um, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 34. Scripture says that they stopped the mouth of lions. It said, out of weaknesses, they were made strong. They were made strong. God has capacity to bring strength irrespective of your weaknesses. And we saw it with, with all the people he used, all the people he called. He made, them, he made them strong. He supplied grace that covered their weaknesses. In, in situations where he did not take it away, he supplied grace. I'm saying to us tonight that that which God has called you to do, irrespective of your weaknesses, there is grace sufficient to cover it. There is grace sufficient to bring about healing if you will trust God for it. There is grace sufficient to bring about strength in the midst of that weakness and turn that area of weakness to strength. Hallelujah. Let's see Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 to 11. One of the reasons why he has called us is for us to show forth his glory. To bring glory. To bring honor. He said, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and whole discernment 
that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to what? To the glory and praise of God. Let's see Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. For all things are for your sakes that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. So one of the purpose, one of the reasons why he has called us is to bring about his glory. Is for us to show forth his glory. And I said we are in, in um, Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 8 to 10. Scripture says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good work. That's verse 10. Let's are we there? Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. I just want to bring out some of this thing and I will try to tie them up so that we can, we can close. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. So please note that by grace not of yourselves it is the gift of God. Not of works lest anyone should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so in verse 8 he said we have been saved by grace not of works lest any man should boast right then he now said we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what? unto good works in one place he said not of works in another place he said we are created unto works and I hope we are not confused we are brought into this estate by the finished works hallelujah not by your works of righteousness but by the finished works of Christ but what is the purpose of the finished works the purpose of the finished works is that we might come unto good works Hallelujah. Can I say that again? We're brought into this estate by the finished works of Christ. Not any of your righteousness. We saw that in Titus chapter 3. Not by your works of righteousness. By the finished works of God. By the finished work of Christ on the cross. Finished works. The purpose of the finished works is to bring us into the good works. So he said where is workmanship created when were we created? At new birth. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. So there are works, but the works are after creation in Christ Jesus. How we together? So after salvation, God expects good works. And we're going to see some of them. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I want us to look at it like this. Picture a potter and the clay. His workmanship, where his heart work, where his masterpiece, that's the work of clay. That's the vessel. Even before the potter made that vessel, he had a picture in his mind. In fact, we can even say before he saw clay, 
you already knew what you wanted to do with clay. That's what God was saying that before I formed you, I knew you. Before there was even any form of anything, I knew what I I want to do with your life. Hallelujah. So that, that potter creates probably a clay and makes it into a cup. For what purpose? There is a purpose. The purpose of that cup, that clay, that, that um, artwork he made, that purpose is the good works. Are we together? So the essence of the finished works is to bring us into, into the good works. And what, what is the good works? Or what are the good works? In Luke chapter 18, the rich young ruler went to Jesus. He said, good master, what must, must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus rebuked him and said, why do you call me good? For no one is good except God. Jesus pointed him to the ultimate goodness that is God. Because, in fact, Scripture says, in us dwelleth not no good thing. It is the works of God in us that brings out good works. Hallelujah. Now, what are good works? I will define good works in just simply. I will say, good works our good works are anything we do that advances the cause of Christ in the earth anything that you do that advances the purpose of God in the earth qualifies as good works and that is what we have been called into so we have been created in Christ Jesus to do what? To advance the purposes of God. To advance the kingdom. To advance the will. For the execution of the will of God on the face of the earth. And um, we're going to see some of them. So, I mean, we, and we can, we can use several examples, you know, to, to come around good works. But I think that definition describes, so, um, as you're do, for example, you're giving you're given if it is done to advance the cause of the gospel if it is done to advance the cause of the kingdom of Christ becomes good works there are some givings that are not good works right 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talking about charity he said I can even give my body to be burned and have not what and have not love it profited me nothing that will not qualify as good works Praise God. But if God lays a burden of intercession in your heart, you know, and you follow through with that burden, that qualifies as good works. If you're giving financially or you're giving your time and resources and energy to the cause of the gospel, it would qualify as good works. If you are giving to some other things that are not advancing the purposes of God, it would not exactly qualify as good works. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus gave us a parable. Was it a parable? Talking about the goat nation and the sheep nation. And he said to them, he said, 
I was sick. You did not visit me. Then those guys said, when did we see you that you were sick and we did not visit? He said, for as long as you did not do it to the least of my brethren, you did not do it to me. He said to the other guys, he said, I was hungry. You gave me food. When did we see you and we gave you food? As long as you did it to the least of my brethren, you have done it to me. I'm just, you know, picking examples. We re- we have, I'm sure we have read in James um, where James said a brother said he has faith without works. He said I will show him my faith by my works. He said then see a brother come to you saying he's hungry and you tell, and you tell him oh by faith be filled. God bless you, brother. Be filled. And you do nothing to take away his hunger, even though you have the means. He said, what has your faith profit, profited you? What's the profit of your faith? But if you take it beyond, oh, brother, God bless you, be filled. And you put in works to make sure that brother is fed and you take away his hunger, then you have reward. Then he said, faith without works is dead. Are we together? Hallelujah. So we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's the purpose of his calling. Good works. Good works. Hallelujah. He said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, let your light so shine. Let your light so shine before men that what? That they may see what? Your good, what would they see? Your good works. When they see your good works, what will happen? They would give glory. So your good works are anything that you do that brings glory, that returns glory and honor to the Lord. Any activity, any, and when I say activity, it's not just, for example, mercy is good work. When you show mercy rather than revenge, you have done good work. When you show forgiveness, you have done good work. When you are walking in love, you are doing good works. So it's not exactly activity as it were, it's just a response of the heart to the promptings within. It's, it's your response to God. That's your good works. Hallelujah. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. When they see your good works, glory will return to God. When they see the quality of your life and the quality of your life returns glory, returns honor, returns praise to God. Hallelujah. Um, First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says um, it said we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood a holy nation um, a peculiar people who are what um, it said that we have been called to show forth to, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into what is marvelous light that we may show forth his praise showing forth his praise is not singing praises to him. Showing forth his praise. The word praise there is the word interpreted as virtue. 
Hallelujah. So he has called us to show forth the virtues of God. To show forth divine attributes. So we are people who carry the who must show forth that, that, that when people look at us through, through the quality of our lives, they can see the attributes of God. Praise God. That's why he's called us. He wants to make known he wants to God wants to be known on the face of the earth. He wants to be seen. And the way it will be seen, it will be seen through us by the quality of our lives, by the quality of our conversations. He said we have been called, we are his own special people that we may proclaim. Another translation says that we may show forth, that we may broadcast his virtues. Another translation says his excellencies. Hallelujah. So we have a responsibility upon us to do what? To show forth divine attributes. To show forth the virtues that are in God. Virtues of mercy. Virtues of love. Virtues of kindness. Virtues of long suffering. Such that um, things happen, to, the same thing that happens to you, the same thing that happens to an unbeliever is happening to you and your response is totally different. And that is the expectation of God. Your response should be totally different. God told, I think it was Ezekiel, he told him, he said, do not say confederacy to the things that these people say confederacy. Do not fear their fear. Because you are not operating in the same terrain. Your responses cannot be the same. It cannot be the same. Hallelujah. You cannot lament the way they lament. You cannot, you cannot live the way they live. Why? Because you are responding to a different call. Hallelujah. The, the, the things that would easily push people to do things that they would not ordinarily have done. You are faced with the same situation and you are taking a totally different position. The things that, that cause the hearts of men to be agitated and cause panic and fear and insecurity and everything, those things are happening and you are standing in faith. And when men are cutting corners, you are standing because you are sure that God will come through. You are sending out a message. You are displaying divine attributes. Patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, peace, forgiveness, mercy, bowels of compassion flowing forth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are meant to show forth Christ. Showing forth the attributes of Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 2, 14 to 15 says that we, we are meant to show forth the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Such that everywhere we go, there is a fragrance of Christ that we carry. There is an aroma. There is something that oozes from us. That, 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 that diffuses into the environment that diffuses into the atmosphere and when you come in they know oh Solomon has come it's the same way you walk in wearing a perfume and if the people that know you the moment they call even when they have not seen you they, ah, 
Samuel is somewhere around. Why? Because there is a fragrance that you carry. But that the fragrance we carry must not just be the fragrance of our expensive perfumes. We must carry the fragrance of Christ that has influence, that is influencing people. That, that when, when people, when you get into certain environments, certain things shut down. Oh, they were doing something before. The moment, ah, uh, you don't come. Even if they will continue, but the moment you are there, it's suspended. The, the, we must carry the fragrance of Christ. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge. Where? In every place. In my office. In my streets. In the house. In the rented apartment where I live with other neighbors. Not just in church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, You are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill. He didn't say you are the light of the church. It is the light of the world. We are shining into a dark world. And they should see our light. And see that something is happening in this place. There is something different about this guy. You are diffusing the fragrance. There, is, there are divine attributes. There are divine energies oozing forth from us. And those are the things that God wants to achieve with us. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Verse 15. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. I like the word being saved. So they are not there yet. They are being saved. So we are the fragrance of Christ to those who are being saved. We are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Verse 16. To the one, we are the aroma of death. To those who are perishing, we are the aroma of death. Because they just do not understand you. And you are, your lifestyle, the quality of your life is judging their lifestyle. They don't like you. Not because you have done anything wrong, just because you are living right. Oh, they are sharing money they shouldn't share. But you are saying, you are not taking it. The fact that you are not taking it, they are hungry. Oh, so you think you are holy now? Sorry, but I just don't want it. You, are, you have not even gone to report to. You are just saying, I'm not participating in this. Hallelujah. To the one you are the aroma of death leading to that. Your lifestyle is... Um, I think it's First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. Is it 4, 10 or 10, 4? that says, you know, talking about casting down imaginations and all of that. I think it's 410. He said, ready, being ready to punish every disobedience when your own obedience is complete. So, to one, you are the aroma of death leading, leading to death. To another, to those who have been saved, you are the aroma of life leading unto life. Praise God. So, you are the aroma of life such that when you, as you continue to, you know, to live the fragrance of Christ as you continue to live in the divine will and do the will of God and execute the, and show forth the good works those of us who are being saved when we are saying it you are also energizing and encouraging us and we are finding liberty to walk in righteousness hallelujah so to the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the, to the other the aroma of life leading to life 
I know it's sufficient for these things. God. Hallelujah. Talking about works, your good works. Revelation chapter 22 verse 12. Revelation chapter 22 verse 12. I'm just, I just want to show us why we must continue in good works. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to what? According to his faith. Eh? According to his faith, according to his works. Your reward, your ultimate reward, is according to your works. Is according to your works. Praise God. First Corinthians three eight. Then after eight, we go to eleven to fifteen. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to what? According to his own labor. Your reward in heaven ultimately is according to your work. Is according to your work. Let's see eleven to fifteen. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, a straw, these are works. The foundation has been laid, which is faith. Then you now build upon the foundation. But these are things you can build with. You can build with gold, you can build with silver, you can build with precious stones, wood a straw these are different types of works or different qualities of works verse 13 each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be it will be what revealed by fire or it will be tested by fire the quality of that work will be tested by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort of what quality it is. Verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Praise God. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through the fire. So some people's work will burn, but they will be saved. If your works pass the test of the fire, you would receive a reward. So that it says, it says the fire will test it of what sort, of what quality. That tells us that we must pay attention. We must be mindful of how we are building, of the quality of the works we are churning out. Because it will be tested by fire. Are you building with gold, with silver, or you are building with straw and hay? That will be destroyed by fire. Because your reward is according to your works. And finally, same first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. First Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be what? Steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's, that's the final um, injunction. Be what? Be steadfast. 
be immovable, be unshaken, always increasing, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work is not in vain in the Lord. Nothing you do for the Lord is in vain. There is a reward. Whereas workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what? Unto good works. I pray God will give us understanding in Jesus' name. I, just, I want us to just respond to God tonight and, and just speak to God quick, um, very quickly. But I, I want to believe that um, the Lord dropped a word in our hearts and um, that the Lord will further his work, that the Lord will help us. Our work will not burn. Our work will not burn. The, to, to the degree that we are being saved is the degree to which the quality of our work will increase. The quality of our work can actually increase. And I want us to, you know, to just talk to God and ask God for help and grace to, to, to remain steadfast, to be immovable, to continually abound in the work of the Lord. In the name of Jesus.